Praise the Lord. Welcome to Takeover Thursday. This is Rising Generation Thursday, so welcome. Um, the topic for tonight is, where is your faith? Where is your faith? And before we even start teaching, we have this tradition um, in Rising Generation where we um, confess um, a couple of sayings over ourselves so that we are, our hearts are prepared for the word of God. And I'm just going to say that and you repeat after me. It goes, this is the word of God. It is God speaking to me. My ears are attentive. My heart is receptive. As I'm taught the word, the seed of life will be planted. It will surely grow deep roots and it will produce its fruit in me. Hallelujah. Let us pray. So Lord, I thank you so much for what you have begun to do tonight, God. I thank you because, um, thank you for opening our eyes. Thank you for having our ears be attentive, making our hearts, giving us hearts that are receptive. Thank you because you're going to build up our faith tonight. And I thank you because you're going to show us things about our lives, God, that you want to speak into. Speaking your word, your word is the light for our feet and the lamp for our path, God. And we thank you because your word will be made so clear to us tonight that there won't be any doubt in our hearts. Thank you because we will hear your instruction and we will follow that which you have said to us and that our faith will be grounded tonight in the name of Jesus. Amen. So we're going to start off, we're going to read from Luke chapter 8, verse 22 to 25. So this is what it says. It says, one day Jesus said to his disciples, let's cross to the other side of the lake. So they got into the boat and they started out. As they sailed across, Jesus settled down for a nap. But soon a fierce storm came down on the lake. The boat was filling with water and they were in real danger. The disciples went and woke him up, shouting, Master, Master, we are going to drown. When Jesus woke up, he rebuked the wind and the raging waves. Suddenly the storm stopped and all was calm. Then he asked them, where is your faith? The disciples were terrified and amazed. Who is this man? They asked each other. When he gives a command, even the wind and the waves obey him. So we're going to break this scripture down a little bit. Right? So the first thing was that Jesus spoke to them. Jesus told them something. He said, let's cross to the other side of the lake. Jesus gave his word. He gave them his word. Then, as you can tell that they believed the word because obviously they all went into the boat and they, you know, embarked on this journey to cross over to the other side of the lake. So the next thing that happened was that Jesus settled down for a nap. He told them the word and then he rested, right? And after, as he was resting, now we saw that opposition came. The boat began to fill with water. They were in real danger. So it's not that, you know, the, the beginning part is that God gave them the word. Jesus gave them the word. We're crossing over to the other side. So in that word, you can tell that he, he told them that this is the outcome that will happen, right? That they will surely be on the other side of the lake. Now, as Jesus said this, he went and he rested. He wasn't struggling. He wasn't striving. He wasn't doing anything. He was just resting, in the midst of that rest, an opposition came, right? 
in the Bible, it noted that they were in real danger because of the water that was filling in into the boat. So what happened next, right? It says the disciples went and they woke Jesus from his sleep. They were panicking. They were like, Master, Master, we're going to drown. Master, where are you? We're going to drown. They were set in panic. See, once panic set in, they forgot the word that Jesus told them at the beginning. Because Jesus surely, he clearly laid out to them that they were going to cross over to the other side. But because of our position, they forgot the word that Jesus gave them in the beginning. And they began to panic. And in panicking, they weren't able to stand. And so Jesus asked them this question, where is your faith? See, the faith that we have is, comes from the word that God gives us at the beginning, right? Jesus said, where is your faith? In this day and age, God is still asking us the same question. He's asking the believer the same question. Child of God, where is your faith? You know, the disciples had spent time with Jesus. It's like they knew Jesus back and forth, right? They, they went everywhere with him. They saw him raise the dead. They saw, you know, the blind receive sight. They saw him feed thousands with just a small portion of food. They saw all these miracles. Yet, in this moment, their faith was lacking. See, even though that Jesus was with them in the midst of the opposition, they didn't recognize his presence. Why do I say that? Because obviously they went to Jesus and said, Master, Master, we're going to drown. Because if they had recognized his presence, if they had recognized what he said to them, they wouldn't be in panic. They would be resting like he was. Right? They would have been sleeping like Jesus was, and they would have overlooked the opposition because they knew that the word that Jesus gave to them from the beginning, we are surely crossing over to the other side. See, the panic that set in, you know, the disciples were calling, Master, Master, we're going to drown. You know, bring it to this day and age. What happens for us? You know, like we, we go into this panic state of asking God, God, like, are you here? Oh, God, like, I really need this. You, you keep saying the prayer over and over again. And that prayer is said out of worry, out of panic, not really trusting God that he will provide, that he will keep his word. God is asking us today, where is your faith? Where is your faith? See, a lot of people determine the outcome of what will happen by how they feel. But I just, I just feel like it's not going to work. Do you see everything that's happening? Do you see how this is not going well? You begin to count the negative things. This is how this is not working. This is how this is not working. You begin to count it. And because you feel like it's not going to work, you begin to say those things that God did not tell you. See, panic and worry is rooted in unbelief. In the moments that we panic, we have lost focus on what Jesus has said to us at the beginning. See what Isaiah 46, 10 says. It says, in the beginning... I told you what will happen in the end. A long time ago, I told you things that have not happened yet. When I plan something, it happens. I do whatever I want to do. What does it say? It said, in the beginning, I told you what will happen in the end. So when you face opposition, it's not that, you know, God will now start telling you things. Okay, this is how it's going to work. Of course, he does that. But before you, that opposition even comes, God has already told you the outcome. 
God has already told you what will happen in the end. Just like Jesus told the disciples, let us cross over to the other side. And they were on their way. They were on this journey to cross over to the other side. And then the boat began to fill with water. There was a storm. Opposition came because of the word. See, God's character does not change. He told them what the outcome was from the beginning. So for us, we, we need to go back and check. You know, look back in time. Before you were met with opposition in your life, right, do you remember what God said in the beginning before that came? If you look back, you will realize that God has already told you the end of the issue, the situation, the circumstance before it even started. See, the issue is not whether God is with you or not with you. The issue is either ignorance or that you have forgotten what God has said from the beginning. I, I remember on October 25th of last year, 2020, you know, God spoke through Pastor Chinedu and, and told the church to go back and revisit the promises and dreams he had given us. For God to tell us that, it means that some of us have forgotten the promise that he gave. Some of the things that in your own quiet time with God, God has spoken to you. He has told you, this is what I'm planning to do. This is, this is the future I have for you. This is the promise I'm giving to you. And for God to remind us again, last year, it means that some of us have forgotten those things that he has said to us. In God's mercy, he told us, go back to the word I gave you at the beginning. Because that's what will anchor your faith. This is why it's really important. When God says something to us, we write it down. You know, because our human mind processes a lot of things on the daily Right? And it's so hard to remember every single thing that God tells us. So write it down. Write the things that God said to you down, and you go over it, meditate on it, continue to chew on it. Let it sink into your heart. You know, this is very, very common. When God says something to us where we receive a joy, we're like, God, thank you. Wow, that's awesome. You know, that's wonderful. My faith is revived. Yes, Lord, I believe you. But when we go back, we're on our own, when challenges come, that's when, you know, the test of, like, it will really test if you, you have faith in what God has said. This happens all the time. You know, we come to Bible study, we come to Sunday service, you know, corporate faith, you know, like, we, we, are, we are energized, we're built up. But the test of faith comes when you go home, when you're on your own, when you're going on your daily activities, that's when we will really know if you believe what God has said. Because it will require for you to stand firm. Again, whenever the word is spoken, opposition will always come because of the word. And we can't be ignorant any longer. The new man that God has given us is, is a nature that lives by faith. It doesn't live by sight. See the disciples, right? They were looking at the physical circumstance. They were looking at the waves. They were looking at the storm. Water was coming in. It wasn't that they weren't in real danger. They were. They were in real danger. But danger doesn't cancel out what God said. Things that you see doesn't cancel out what God said. Because the reality of it is the truth is what God has said. Everything else is a lie. I remember a couple years back, um, I was going through a, a challenge, a test of faith, really. And I was in the space of, woe is me. You know, I, I was dwelling in self-pity, pitying myself, doing an unbelief party with me, myself, and I. 
I remember God took me to this scripture, um, that scripture that I read earlier from Isaiah 46.10, you know. And he said to me, I told you what would happen. It's not that you were unaware of what would happen. You knew because I told you. I gave you my word. And I remember when, in that initial phase, when God gave me the word, I was so overjoyed. I was happy. I was praising him. I was rejoicing. Yes, God, this is what you said. But as days went by, as months went by, I forgot the word. I forgot what God said to me. And I began to slip into, wow, this is what is happening. I was looking at the physical. And then God continued. He said, in you looking at the physical realm, you have forgotten what I said to you. I told you how this issue will be resolved, but you focused on what you are seeing. Physical sight will bring panic, which leads you to disconnect from the miracle I'm doing. Then he said to me, I've told you the end from the beginning. In the middle, the middle is just noise. Keep your eyes on the finish line. Stop being distracted. Opposition is a distraction. It distracts us from the word of God. It distracts us from what God has said from the beginning. See what God said? He said, I've told you the end before it would even happen. The middle, the journey to get to the end is just noise. Because all you really need to know is how will it end? <laughs> That's all you really need to know. Then you know where to focus your eyes on. But you see that opposition comes in the middle from when God has told you the word and the end. Right? It comes in the middle. And the point of opposition is to distract you from the word in the beginning. Let's take a look at um, another story. This is Matthew chapter 14 from verse 22 to 33. Immediately after this, Jesus insisted that his disciples get back into the boat and cross to the other side of the lake. Why he sent the people home. After sending them home, he went up into the hills by himself to pray. Night fell while he was there alone. Meanwhile, the disciples were in trouble far away from the land. For a strong wind had risen and they were fighting heavy waves. About three o'clock in the morning, Jesus came toward them, walking on the water. When the disciples saw him walking on the water, they were terrified. In their fear, they cried, it's a ghost. But Jesus spoke to them at once, don't be afraid, he said, take courage, I am here. And Peter called to him, Lord, if it's really you, tell me to come to you walking on the water. Yes, come, Jesus said. So Peter went over to the side of the boat and walked on the water towards Jesus. But when he saw the strong wind and the waves, he was terrified and began to sink. Save me, Lord, he shouted. Jesus immediately reached out and grabbed him. You have so little faith, Jesus said. Why did you doubt me? When they climbed back into the boat, the wind stopped. Then the disciples worshipped him. You really are the son of God, they exclaimed. Let's stop there for now. Let's break this down again. See? So Jesus sent them. He gave them a command. You know, go on the boat, go to the other side of the lake. There's always this other side of the lake, right? Go on this boat, go on this journey to the other side of the lake. And see, the wind came while they were on the, uh, on the lake, right? See, like the, it says a strong wind had risen and they were fighting heavy water, uh, heavy waves. So there was already opposition. They were facing a challenge. They, they were in danger, Right? And it said that at three o'clock in the morning, Jesus came towards them walking on the water. When the disciples saw him walking on the water, they were afraid. They didn't know who he was. They didn't really know Jesus. 
See, a lot of times why we can't believe God for his word is because we don't know who has spoken to us. We don't know personally for ourselves the God who's making the promise. Because if we really knew God, we would trust him. We would know where his heart is coming from. His heart is full of love towards us. He doesn't desire any evil towards us. I remember, I always hold this scripture. It says, for I know the plans I have for you. They are plans of good and not of evil, plans to give you hope and a future. That's the thoughts that God has towards us. But why we can't believe the word of God is because we don't really know. We don't have a revelation of Jesus. We don't have a revelation of this God who's making the promise. And so they were looking at Jesus. They were like, it's a ghost. They didn't know him. Again, they had spent time with him. They have, you know, they were going everywhere with him. They walked with him. They saw him do miracles. They, they saw all of these things, yet they still didn't know him. And they cried, it is a ghost. And then Jesus told them, don't be afraid. Take courage as I. Then this next part, Peter came and he was like, Lord, if it is you, tell me to walk on the water. Tell me to come towards you. And Jesus said, yeah, of course it's me, so come. <laughs> so Peter began to walk. See, he, he had a miracle. A miracle was happening there. He was walking on the water, a human being walking on the water. See, he heard the word Jesus said. Jesus said, come. And Peter, by faith, walked on that water because he heard the word. But see what happened later. When Peter began to look, it says, when he saw the strong wind and the waves, he was terrified and he began to sink. Then he went into panic. I'm going to drown. Lord, save me. What caused him to start sinking? It was because he took his focus off of Jesus, off of the word of God. He removed his focus from what Jesus said to him. Jesus said, come. He started looking around. Wow, this wind is too big. Oh. Wow, this thing can drown me. He started looking around and he began to sink because he was working. He switched from faith to sight. Sight can't keep you. It can't keep you grounded. We see again, Jesus spoke the word at the beginning. Opposition came. Danger was physically evident. Panic set in for Peter. And then Peter couldn't stand. He couldn't fully see the, the miracle complete because he started looking around him. Whenever I bring this scripture, it's always dear to my heart because I, I remember God used it to teach me um, how my faith was lacking. You know, I, I was in the mental ascent realm. Sunday in, um, on Sunday, February 19th of 2017, before I went to church, God brought this passage to me. He was teaching me on this passage. And he was, he was basically telling me, like, Peter was able to walk because he focused on me. He fixed his eyes on me, right? But when he took his eyes off of me, he began to sink. And God was telling me, fix your eyes on me. Fix your eyes on Jesus. That's what will keep you grounded, so I received this word with joy. I was just like so happy. I was like, yes, God, you said this word. Wow, you encouraged my spirit today. And then I went to church. This was when we were in 170. I went to church. And while I was in church, obviously the enemy is not happy that I received the word. So he began to attack my mind, you know, showing me how things will never work out for me in life. Showing me this, showing me that. Of course, he will, he will give you a movie slide of how things will never work out. And then in that moment, this is what I said, me that was happy in the morning. In that moment, this is what I said to God. I said, God, I give up. I don't think I can do it anymore. I was tired of the consistent 
opposition. I gave up on the word God gave to me. And then the funny thing was that Pastor, Pastor Chinedu went on the stage. Like, this was before the sermon even happened. But during the sermon, he went on the stage and he, he was preaching. And I remember that topic. The topic was faith activates the power of God. And in the sermon, he used the same passage God was teaching me on earlier that morning. And he brought it and he said, Peter was focused on the word that Jesus gave him. And he began to walk. He was walking on that water because he was looking at the word. The word was what kept him, anchored him. But you see, when he started looking around at the wind, the waves, everything, he began to sink. You see, the enemy will put fire on you here, fire on you there, and cause you to give up so easily when the word has been spoken. When he said that, God reminded me, see, you gave up so easily. Because of our position, you gave up so easily. And essentially, God was asking me, where is your faith? Where is your faith? See, the Bible tells us that faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Let's break it down. The faith you have comes from the word you have heard. Those that God spoke to you personally. The word you have received, received keeps your eyes fixated on Jesus. Because we know that Jesus is the author and the finisher of our faith, right? So the word you have received from God keeps your eyes fixated on Jesus. Just like Peter, when he was walking on that water, he was looking at Jesus. He wasn't looking at anywhere. He was just focused on Jesus and he was able to walk because Jesus was the author and the finisher of faith. He began the faith for Peter. He told him, come. That's the word. That word grounded his faith. So the word we receive keeps our eyes fixated on Jesus. Now, the ability for you to even hear the word of God comes from the word itself. The word you hear does a lot of work inside of you to prepare you so that it can actually penetrate and do what God wants to do in your life, right? Because the word removes a lot of lies that we have believed, a lot of gunk that has been there. It clears it out so that it can actually do what God sent it for it to do. So going back to the story of Peter, if he had continued to look at Jesus, he would have made it to his desired end. Here's the lesson I, um, I learned for Pe from Peter. Stop calling things as they are. Because Peter was looking at the wind, the waves, everything. And he was like, I'm surely going to drown. I'm surely going to drown. So he was making the decision of how he will proceed by what he saw. So how does that look like for us? For example, you go to the doctor, they tell you you have high blood pressure and they give you medication and you go home and then every day you're checking your blood pressure. You're like, oh, it's going up, oh, it's going up. Every day you're consistently confessing that it's going up, it's going up. In that moment, you're calling things as they are. You're not calling the things that God has said to you, right? So this is what we have learned from Peter. Stop calling things as they are. Start calling the things that God told you is there, even when it looks like it's not there. So even when it looks like your blood pressure is not going down, you say, wow, like my blood pressure is normal. Why? Because of the spirit that lives in me. Because the spirit in me gives life to my mortal body. There's no abnormality in this body. You begin to confess the word of God over yourself. And when you begin to confess the word of God over yourself, of course, your faith begins to build. It's rising. It's rising. And then you see the evidence of it 
it begins to manifest in your physical. But you see, the thing is that the word of God that has been spoken to you has actually already been done. Something that God taught me some time ago was that the true reality is not the physical, it's not the present, is the spirit. Because if we look at Hebrews chapter 11, verse 3, it says that the spirit gives rise to the physical, right? So that means that the, the spirit, the spiritual realm, is actually like the true reality. And how can we determine our reality? Is through God's word. That's what allows us to see into the spirit, to see what God is doing, and to call those things forth that God is doing. So now for us, that translates to we begin to praise God. We're not calling the physical things that we're, it's, okay, it's, you see it, it's already there. Why are you calling it? You want to change, you know, your physical situation. Why are you calling the things that are already there? Begin to call those things that God has said to you, the word of God. For example, if you're dealing with, um, you know, lack of sound mind, you begin to say, God, I thank you. Because the spirit you have given me is a spirit of power, is of love, and of sound mind. God has already said you have it. But when we begin to say, wow, man, like, I'm always facing, I'm always in this challenge. I'm always facing this opposition. My mind is not, you, you confess the things that the enemy is doing. Of course, you're not going to see that word of God manifest over you. Because you're calling the physical, the present, the things that you're seeing. But when you begin to call those things that are not as though they were, you see the power of God. Another thing is, don't use people's experiences to gauge if the word of God works or not. I remember I had a conversation with a friend, and um, we were talking about, you know, like what was happening with the pandemic. And this friend said to me, well, I hope you're going to go and get your, um, co the COVID vaccine. I said, sure, like, uh, you know, my, my family has gotten it, but I, I don't think I need to get it because I believe the blood of Jesus has healed me. Like, it's, it's flowing through me. Like, COVID can't even stand. The power of God in me is too much. The power of God in me is too much. I'm, I'm not ordinary. And, and my friend said, well, forget about that. Too. <laughs> it's like, see, like, people are dying from this thing. I know the word of God says it's but You see that, like, that's, that's really how the enemy, you know, comes into our minds to deceive us and tell us that the word of God, yeah, like, that's what God said, but look at everything that's happening. Using your physical circumstance to gauge the outcome. Again, the word of God always works. It is the truth, even when it looks like things are not working, because it will always prevail. God said, the word I sent forth from my mouth, it will not return to me void. It will accomplish every purpose for which I sent it. So even if you're in your home and you're, you're going around, you're afraid of coronavirus, why should you be afraid? You're a child of God. The most high lives in you. Why are you gauging your outcome by everybody's experience? In Romans chapter 3, it says, let, the, um, let God be true and everybody else a liar. So if we're taking the word of God as it says it is, we will then truly experience what God has said to us. But when we begin to look, wow, people are going, you know, like they always do statistics of how, um, you know, the COVID cases are increasing and this is happening and this is happening. And if that becomes our truth, we will fall into the trap of the enemy. 
and we won't experience what God has intended for us from the beginning. This is what it says in James chapter 1, verse 12. It says, if your faith remains strong, even while surrounded by life's difficulties, you will continue to experience the untold blessings of God. True happiness comes as you pass the test with faith and receive the victorious crown of life promised to every lover of God, if your faith remains strong. I was listening to a sermon recently um, by Nancy Dufresne, and this is what she said. She said to stop and start is going to be a failed attempt. So again, look at Peter. He was walking on the water because Jesus told him to come. And then he started looking, began to sink. He started, he was on his way, and then he stopped. He began to sink. That was a failed attempt. But for you to see the manifestation of what God has said, you need to continuously hold the word. If your faith remains strong, if your faith remains strong, even while surrounded by life's difficulties, in this world, you're going to face difficulties and challenges. It will come. It will surely come. But God is calling us to have our faith be strong, have our faith be grounded in what he has told us from the beginning. Hebrews chapter 10, verse 35 to 36 says, so don't lose your bold, courageous faith, for you are destined for a great reward. You need the strength of endurance to reveal the poetry of God's will, and then you will receive the promise in full. Don't lose your bold, courageous faith, for you are destined for a great reward. See, if our faith is not grounded, that thing that God has told us from the beginning won't even materialize. See, God can desire for something to happen, right? He can say, okay, you're going to get this job. But when you don't believe, when you don't mix the word with faith, it doesn't happen. Although God has said, right, you don't see see the manifestation of what God has said because you're not mixing it with faith. The same goes with the promises of God over our lives, right? Healing, all of those things. When we don't mix the word that we have received with faith, we don't experience the goodness of God. We don't experience the things that God desires for us to have. He desires for you to be well. He desires for you to prosper. He desires for you to move forward. He desires for you to have sound mind. He desires for you to walk in boldness and power. But when you're timid and you're like, oh my goodness, I'm not good enough, I'm not this, you're speaking the lies of the enemy. You're not speaking the word that God told you from the beginning. So let's look at examples of the faith God is looking for. In Matthew chapter 8, verse 5 to 10, this is what it says. Now when Jesus had entered Capernaum, a centurion came to him pleading with him, saying, Lord, my servant is lying at home paralyzed dreadfully tormented. And Jesus said to him, I will come and heal him. The centurion answered and said, Lord, I am not worthy that you should come under my roof, but only speak a word and my servant will be healed. For I I also am a man under authority, having soldiers under me. And I say to this one, go, and he goes. And to another, come, and he comes. And to my servant, do this, and he does it. When Jesus heard it, he marveled and said to those following, Assuredly, I say to you, I have not found such great faith, not even in Israel. What do we notice in this story? This man came to Jesus for his servant, right? His servant was sick, paralyzed, and 
he wanted Jesus to come and heal the man. And Jesus said to him, okay, let's go. Let's go to your home. The centurion said, no, no, no. I don't need you to come. I know what authority means. And I know that your word carries authority. You only need to speak your word. And I know that my servants will be made whole. See, most of us will be like, Jesus, I need you to be there. I need you to be in that room so I can see if it actually works or not. But here's what this, we can learn from this centurion. He said, I just need your word. And I know it will surely be done. See, Jesus then gave his word. And then the centurion went home. See, in, in that moment, it, he thought like, you, humanly thinking, you will say, how will he know that the servant will be healed? Jesus is not there. Just in case he got home and then the servant is not healed, Jesus is nowhere to be found. But you can tell that this man was really working by faith. He just took Jesus at his word. He knew that Jesus' word carried authority. And when Jesus spoke, it meant that it will happen. And then this is what Jesus said to him in Matthew 8, 13. He said, then Jesus said to the centurion, go your way. And as you have believed, so let it be done for you. As you have believed, let it be done for you. You see, your faith is what takes what God has given. If you don't believe what God has given, you won't see it. You won't see it happen for you. But when you believe, it shall be to you according to your faith, what you have believed. This man took Jesus' word and said, just speak the word. That's all I need. I know my servant will be healed. And he went on his way. And Jesus said, because of your faith, your servant will surely be healed. And when he went home, his servant was healed. And then let's look at Matthew chapter 9, verse 18 to 22. While he spoke these things to them, behold, a ruler came and worshipped him, saying, My daughter has, died, has just died, but come and lay your hand on her, and she will live. So Jesus rose and followed him, and so did his disciples. And suddenly a woman who had a flow of blood for 12 years came from behind and touched him, touched the hem of his garment. For she said to herself, If only I may touch his garment, I shall be made well. But Jesus turned around, and when he saw her, he said, Be of good cheer, daughter. Your faith has made you well. And the woman was made well from that hour. Okay. See, this woman came, and she had been suffering from this ailment for 12 years. And she had this opportunity. She, you know, she was with Jesus, and she had this opportunity. And she said in her heart, If I only just touch the hem of his garment, I shall be made whole. She didn't stop there, because faith has action. She didn't stop there. Just like Peter didn't stop when Jesus said, come. Peter took a step. He, he took a step out of the boat and he began to walk on the water because of the word. So now she said in her, if, if I only touch the hem of his garment, I shall be made whole. And she went and she actually touched the hem of Jesus' garment. And what happened? Power was re released from Jesus and she was made whole. See what Jesus said to her. It says, daughter, your faith has made you well. And the woman was made well from that hour. Now, going back to the story of the ruler who came and said, my daughter died, right? Um, he said, just come and lay your hands on her and she will live. Let's look at what happened in Matthew 9, verse 23 to 26. Then Jesus came into the ruler's house and saw the flute players and the noisy crowd wailing. They were crying, you know, weeping that this, this, child has died he said to them make room but the girl is not dead but sleeping and they ridiculed him 
But when the crowd was put outside, he went in and took her by the hand, and the girl arose, and the report of this went out into all the land. So Jesus came into this house. They were weeping. So many unbelievers there. <laughs> Pastor, we usually call them unbelieving believers, right? They were all there, and they were weeping. They were crying. There's no other hope for this child. She's already gone. But Jesus came in, and he said something. He didn't call the child dead. He didn't call it as he was seeing it. He called those things that were not as though they were. He said, she's only sleeping. She's only asleep. And then they were making fun of him. You see, like when, when you begin to, begin to speak the word of God and say the things that God has told you from the beginning, people will look at you as if you're crazy. You don't understand what's going on. Obviously, you're not seeing what's happening around you. That's why we have to be mindful of who we listen to. What are we hearing? Because what you hear is either going to build your faith or cause it to crash. So Jesus said, this daughter is only sleeping. She's not dead. And they ridiculed him. They made fun of him. They're like, you're crazy. You don't know what you're saying. But what did Jesus do? He went in. See, again, faith in action. He went in. He took her by the hand and pulled her up and the girl arose. It was just like he said it was. See, when we begin to walk by faith, we see a lot of things happen. We see a lot of miracles happen. Miracles are not for, you know, the days of the Bible. It's for now as well. And God is calling us to a higher faith. He's asking us this question. Child of God, where is your faith? Where did you drop it? Where did you keep your faith? You have forgotten the words that I spoke to you at the beginning. Those promises I gave to you. Where have you dropped them? For you to see the power of God, you have to walk by faith. It's just that simple. Because without faith, it is impossible to please God. God is a God of faith. And when he created you, the new man, he made you to walk by faith. That's really like the story that God is telling us here is like, I made you to walk by faith. You can't operate by sight. You won't see anything I'm doing. You can't tap into what I'm doing if you're looking around. You're looking at the wind. You're looking at the storm. You're looking at everything else but the word of God. Because those things will cause you to, sh to sink and drown. But my word will keep you standing in the midst of opposition. In the midst of when things don't look like it's going well, when the doctors give you a report, when it seems like, oh, you're being rejected for th from this job and this job and this job, the word is what keeps you standing because you know the promise. You know what God has said and you know God keeps his word. Why are we so sure? It's because God said in his word, I don't change, I don't lie. I never change and I, and I never lie. So my word Will surely always come to pass. There's another story I want to read before um, I read this excerpt. This is Jesus. Um, we know the story of the fig tree. So Mark 11 verse 12 to 14, it says the next morning as they were leaving Bethany, Jesus was very hungry. He noticed a fig tree in full leaf a little way off. So he went over to see if he could find any figs, but there were only leaves because it was too early in the season for fruits. Then Jesus said to the tree, may no one ever eat your fruit again. And the disciples heard him say that. Now in Mark verse 11, uh, chapter 11, verse 20 to 21, the next morning as they passed by the fig tree he had cursed, the disciples noticed that it had withered from the roots up. Peter remembered what Jesus had said to the tree on the previous day and exclaimed, look, Rabbi, the fig tree you cursed had 
withered and died. See, Jesus saw something that didn't look, didn't, didn't look like it was God, was contrary to God. And he spoke to it and he cursed it. He went on his way. He didn't even worry. It wasn't like, okay, you know, I spoke to this thing. Let me just look. Is it, did it work? Wait, wait, did the fig tree, did it die yet? He wasn't looking. He went on his way. He went about his business. See, Jesus is our example. When you see something contrary to the word of God, you speak to it. You speak the word to it. You don't go and start checking, oh, is this thing working yet? Because that's lack of faith, right? If you truly believe the word of God, you go your way. You go about your business because you know the word already worked. It wasn't Jesus that now caught the disciples' attention. Oh, see that fig tree that I, I cursed? You see how it has withered? No. The disciples themselves noticed what happened to the tree. See, when you stand by faith, it will be so evident to everybody around you. Because your faith will always bear fruit. People be, begin to say like, wow, like, how is this person doing this? How is this always working for them? How is this always happening for them? It's because you believed what God has said. You spoke the word of God to the circumstance. There's, a, there's an excerpt that I really want to read. Um, this is from Smith Wigglesworth. This is what he said. Um, the word of God is not only wonderful, but also powerful. Any natural condition can be changed by the word of God, which is a supernatural power. And the word of God is the breath, the nature, and the power of the living God. And his power works in every person who dares to believe his word. There is life through the power of it. And as we receive the word of faith, we receive the nature of God himself. It is as we lay hold of God's promise in simple faith, that we become partakers of the divine nature. As we receive the word of God, we come right into touch, um, right into touch with a living force, a power that changes nature into grace, a power that makes dead things live, a power that is of God, that will be manifested in our flesh. This power has come forth with his glory to transform us by divine acts into sons of God to make us like the Son of God, by the Spirit of God, who moves us on from grace to grace and from glory to glory, as our faith rests in his word. You see, the word of God can change any circumstance. It can, the things that are natural can be turned around by the word of God because God said in his word, my word is what upholds all things. So that word has a creative nature in it to turn things around that is contrary to the word of God. So when you speak, to, uh, speak the word of God to your situation, you're essentially making God king. You are enthroning him in that situation. You're saying, God, your word is capable of doing all things because I know with you nothing is impossible. And because you believe the word of God, nothing becomes impossible for you. There's nothing that will become impossible for those who believe the word of God. It's your faith that will cause you to experience the promise God has given. And I just want to read this last story um, before, before I close. This is also from Smith Wigglesworth. A Baptist minister came to me and said, doctor, uh, the doctor says that this is the last day my wife has to live. I said, oh, brother clerk, why don't you believe God? God can raise her up if you only believe him. He replied, 
He replied, I have looked at you when you talked and have wept and said, Father, if you could give me this confidence, I will be so happy. I said, would you trust God? I felt that the Lord would heal her. I sent word to a certain man and asked if he could come with me to pray for this dying woman. And I believe that if two of us will go and anoint her according to James chapter 5, verse 14 to 15, she will be raised up. This man said, oh, why do you come to me? I could not believe, although I believe the Lord will be sure to heal her if you will go. See, he went to a believer and said, come with me, let's go and pray for this woman. The man said, I, I don't think I can believe. But I, I do believe that if you, you yourself go, that God will heal her. So Smewegosworth sent another word to another man and, said, um, and asked him to go with him. This man could pray by the hour when he was on his knees. He could go around the word three times and come out at the same place. I told him that whatever his impression was to be sure to go on and pray right through. He entered the house. I asked this man to pray first. He cried in his desperation and prayed that this man might be comforted after he was left with these little motherless children. See, the man he brought, you know, lacked faith. He was praying the unbelieving prayer. And, and that he might be strengthened to bear his sorrow. I could hardly wait until he was finished. My whole being was moved. I thought, what an awful thing to bring this man all this way to pray this kind of prayer. What was the matter with him? He was looking at the dying woman instead of looking at God. So when the man had finished, I said to Brother Clark, now you pray. He took up from where the man left, you know, and went in the same kind of prayer. He got so down beneath the burden. Um, I thought he would never rise again. And I was glad when he was through. I could not have borne it much longer. These prayers seemed to be the most out of place prayers that I had ever heard. The whole atmosphere was being charged with unbelief. My soul was stirred. I was eager for God to get a chance to do something and to have his way. I did not wait to pray, but rushed up to the bed and tipped the oil bottle, pouring nearly the whole content on the woman. Then I saw Jesus just above the bed with a sweetest smile on his face. And I said to her, woman, Jesus Christ makes you whole. The woman stood up perfectly healed. And she's a strong woman today because someone dared to believe the word of God. So the question to you is, where is your faith? Praise the Lord. Let us pray. Lord, I thank you so much for your word. I thank you because I truly believe that you have ignited something to, in us tonight. You have revived our faith. You have pointed us back to your word, told us to go back to the beginning, what you said in the beginning. That's what will anchor our faith and make us stand to see your promises manifested in our lives. So, Lord, I thank you for this word that has come forth. Thank you because it will surely bear fruit in us. And Jesus will be glorified in all things. In Jesus' name, amen.